0: That is so accusatory this morning. Amen. If I could just share my heart what the Lord has been moving on me over the last couple of days, amen, I want to see a move of God in this church like we've never experienced. Now don't misunderstand me, I've, I've enjoyed the church service today, the presence of God was here, but I know there's so much more that we can experience than what we experience here today. I know there's greater moves of the Holy Ghost. There's greater outpourings of God's anointing, healings. There's miracles God wants to do. And I'm not satisfied with having less than I know what God is able to do. And I want to see the glory of God being manifest. Amen. i seen a picture of Brother Cole when he was preaching over and doing one of his crusades and during this cloudless night as they were ministering, the picture was snapped as the glory cloud of God came down and you see it visibly right on top of the heads of those that are being filled with the Holy Ghost. So I know God is able to do things greater than what we have experienced here and I want to see the glory of God to the fullest capacity that we are able to do but if that is going to happen our hearts must be free from idols because the bible makes it very clear that god will not share his glory with any other so i can't help but wonder brother dustin if maybe maybe the fact that we don't see god move quite on the level that i know he is able is because we have let some things come into our life that should not be there maybe we have built idols Maybe we have built altars. Maybe we have entered into groves and temples that do not belong to God. Now I know you may be thinking today, Pastor, another sermon on idolatry is obsolete. We don't have that many pagan idols anymore. You see, when we think of idols, we think of things similar to these guys up here. We think of Buddha. We think of the golden calf. We think aboriginal native deities, we think of Shiva, the god of Hinduism. These is what goes into our minds when we think about pagan idols. And we stand back and we say, well pastor, we don't have no sun gods displayed in our house. We don't have no idols like that. But I can't help but wonder if maybe we have some other idols. Some modern-day equivalents to Shiva and Brahma and Baal and Ashtaroth. A modern-day equivalent that has come into our heart. Maybe our idols, Brother Chrissy, look something like this. Maybe our idols look something like this. Now pause that slide for a moment. Surely this can't be an idol, Brother Toto. It's just coffee. Do you know the average female in the United States spends $2,400 a year buying coffee? The average male in the United States spends $1,900 a year buying coffee. The average Christian gives $884 to his local church. Brother Tim, we got some idols. We've got folks giving two and three times as much money to Maxwell House, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, and trust me, I like my coffee just as much as everybody else. But we have no problem going up and running through Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts and handing the debit card, and there's $7 out of your checking account for two coffees. And then we come to the house of God, Brother Jim. Well, they're going to take up an offering again today, aren't they? Go to the next one. All right, it was look like this. I'm starting to feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to read my Bible. The average Christian spends two hours a week in church. And they spend an average of two hours a day watching Netflix. In a year's time, the average Christian will spend just four total days in God's house and a total of 25 days watching movies on Netflix. And we say we don't have time for ministry. We say we don't have time to teach home Bible studies. We don't have time to pray, but we have time to visit our idols. I feel the Holy Ghost. Go to the next one. Maybe our idol looks like this. Oh, we love our food. We don't like preaching about gluttony because, well, that can't be an idol, Pastor. We've got to eat to live. Yeah, we sure do, but we don't have to spend $300 a meal either. Because the same people who will spend $300 a meal at Ruth Chris Steakhouse will come in and put a dollar in the offering and complain that they have to give a dollar every week. But when this is our idol, we don't complain about our giving. Go to the next one. Maybe this is our God. I love sports. Football is my favorite sport. But we complain that these athletes are making 10, 15, 20 million dollars a year playing a stupid game. But you want to know the reason why, Brother Keith, that they make 10 million dollars a year? Because we pay their salary. We buy their jerseys. We pay for their tickets. Uh, and we don't complain at all. We think we get a steal when we get a stealer ticket for $400. Look, I got a ticket for $400. Pastor, I'm not going to be in church on Sunday. I got this $400 stealer ticket. Surely you understand. Yeah, I understand. You gave $23 to the church last year. And you miss church anytime you want. And you're thrilled to death. To give $400 to your idol. To sit there for four to five hours in the cold, the snow, the rain. And you brag about it. You take pictures and you post it on Facebook. Man, I love life. This is the greatest experience of my life. And then we put you in an air-conditioned and a heated church with padded chairs and carpet on the floor and we keep the service to two hours in length and we still complain that it's too much time in God's house. Yes, we have idols in our country. (laughs) Most people don't realize... That this phenomenon of million-dollar sports figures is a modern invention. If you just go back to the 1970s, uh, this sports, sports item was nowhere near where it was uh, back in the 1970s. You all know that America's favorite football team, the Steelers, uh, won four Super Bowls in the 70s. What you don't realize uh, is most of those players uh, made an average salary. They worked part-time bussing tables and parking cars down in Pittsburgh. Yes, professional football players, but they made the same wages you and I did. What blew it up is the fact that we let a sport become a church and the players become idols and we've brought our offerings to their table and now they are flushed with cash that should be used in God's kingdom to spread the gospel, but instead... We pay them millions of dollars. Go to the next one. Maybe our idol is this. When we let actors and producers tell us what right and wrong is, When we sit down and we argue whether or not we should let our children watch the brand new Buzz Lightyear cartoon that is promoting homosexuality, we have sacrificed our beliefs on the altar of Hollywood and we have let it become our God. Go to the next one. Well, that can't be an idol. We have to have our phones to talk. Brother Toto, a brand new phone, iPhone 13, is probably going to run you over $1,000. And Brother Kevin, we've got no problem going into Verizon, smiling ear to ear, handing them the credit card, and saying, oh yeah, I'll give $100 a month for that iPhone. I have to have it. And then we come to church, pastor's taking up another offering. We should have enough money to buy that ground right now. Problem is, it's in your wallets. (laughs) And our idols are challenging us to not give it to God's kingdom. And so we spend $1,000 on a brand new iPhone. You know it's your God when you get the brand new iPhone, but you're not satisfied with that. You've got to get the updated iPad you got to get the iPhone. you got to get the earbuds. Next thing you know, you're $5,000 deep in technology that's two months old and is already outdated. And you don't care. You're happy. You're ha- now, I, I, I hope I don't offend you right now. I'm 41 years old, and I'm, I'm old compared to the young folks around here. I find it very goofy to see people walking around with earbuds in their ears. That's just my generation. You want to do that, that's perfectly fine. That's not a heaven or hell issue. My point being, we're not embarrassed to display Apple software. We're not embarrassed to display their company. But the moment you hear a preacher preach about modesty, well, that's none of his business. He has no right to tell me I shouldn't dress this way or act this way. But when this is your God, you've got no problem walking around with the iPhone in your pocket, the iPad in your ear, and and the AirPods in your ears. Because when it becomes your idol, you'll listen to what it tells you to do. Go to the next one. Oh, maybe this has become our God. Now, I'm not going to delve deep into this because I'm going to be covering this in the next couple weeks but you've heard heard the marketing mantra that sex sells. There's a reason why the makeup industry is a billion dollar industry because it has created a false god and expectation into the hearts of people. And when this is your idol, suddenly you don't care about modesty anymore. You don't care about living for the Lord. All you care about is worshiping the idol of beauty. And so you'll sell your soul to the enemy so that you can get a little rouge on your face, lipstick on your mouth. And now if you got that in here, that's between you and Jesus. Uh, I'm just telling you, there is a method behind the enemy's madness. Uh, he's not propagating this stuff uh, because it's helping you look pretty. Uh, the devil is propagating this stuff uh, because it's making you look sexual. Uh, there's a science behind it. Uh, and we'll talk about that in our Holiness Bible stuff a few weeks, uh, but I want you to understand uh, we've got idols in the modern day church uh, that's causing us to miss the glory of God that wants to be manifested in the church. Go to the next one. Mm. This can't be an idol. a year, $50,000 for a brand new car. You won't let people eat in it. They got to take their shoes off when they get in. You wash it every night, take it home. You treat it better than you do your kids and your family. You got a pet name for it. It's a piece of metal that's going to rust rubber tires it's going to wear out and people are willing to dump a life savings into something like this I'm not telling you it's wrong to have a nice car what I'm telling you is this cannot become an idol this cannot become something that that we worship I have heard stories of people saving money and missing meals and their family going without food all so they could buy something like this Do we have any more idols back there, Brother Seth? Or is that the last one? Folks, we got a problem with idols. Maybe our idols aren't made of stone. Maybe they're not hammered out of gold. Maybe they're made with plastic. Maybe they have glass screens. These modern day idols clash for the throne of your heart. And anything that challenges the glory of God in your life, is an idol. And these idols challenge your heart just as much as Baal drew the nation of Israel away from Jehovah. I guarantee you these idols will draw your heart away from God. Because idols are not just statues and figurines. In Exodus chapter 20, God is manifesting His presence on the top of Mount Sinai. He's giving the law to Moses. Part of the law that God gave to Moses is what's known as the Ten Commandments. Let me just stop here for a moment. Brother Tim, they're not the Ten Suggestions. They're not the Ten Opinions. They're not the Ten Arguments. They are the Ten Commandments. These are things that God said, you will not do these if you are part of My Kingdom. The list of the Ten Commandments contain prohibitions that are well known. Things like, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness or lie. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Laws that form the very fabric and bedrock of Jewish society and has been the foundation stone for our modern justice system in the United States. But setting atop top of this list of ten commandments are two commandments against idolatry. And I can't help but wonder this morning, Brother Jim, why? What is so significant about idolatry? That before God got to, don't kill each other. Before God got to, don't tell lies. Before God got to, don't run around on your wife. He thought it important enough to set the discussion parameters and say the first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Why would this be the first and primary command that God gave to His people why would he be warning them against idolatry? Uh, I believe that this is the first commandment uh, for a twofold reason. Uh, the first is that it, idolatry uh, is our greatest struggle. It is the greatest struggle we will face in our life and in our walk with God. We will always be tempted to go running after false gods that we have made with our own imagination. This is not just an Old Testament phenomenon, but we see the Apostle John warning Christians in the New Testament that do not follow after idols. I believe the second reason why this is listed at the top of the Ten Commandments, is that you've got to break this commandment first before you break any other ones. You will break this commandment to have no other gods before you break any of the other Ten Commandments. Let me illustrate what I'm preaching this morning. To murder a man, you must first worship at the idol of anger. It's quiet. You know why it's quiet? Because we don't like acknowledging the fact that we've got some idols at home. Some of you have built an altar to your anger. You've built an altar to your pain. And you're using that for justification to not forgive. It's a God that you have built. It's a God that you have brought into your home. And so before you can ever murder somebody, you must first honor the God of anger. To commit adultery, you must first worship the false God of lust. No man runs around on his wife and no woman runs around on her husband unless they have first visited a temple of lasciviousness. To covet your neighbor's stuff, You must first have an idol to materialism. So God boldly declared to Moses on the top of Mount Sinai, you shall have no other gods. God declared this as His expectation for His people. He made it very clear, Brother Christian, there is no room in my kingdom for another god. You see, the Lord is not interested in competing with cigarettes in your life for controlling of your emotions. God is not interested in competing with depression in your life for the control of your mental health. God is not interested in compete competing with your Mustang GT. He's not interested in competing with your love of money. God is not interested in competing with your love of entertainment. It's quiet. Still The first commandment, brother Toto, is you will have no other gods. No other gods. God is not going to be the first of many. He's going to be the one and only. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Let me say it again. God refuses to be the one of many. He will be the one and only. And if we are going to see the glory of God in our home. If we're going to see the glory of God manifest in this church, in my prayer, my prayer, Brother Owen, is that the glory of God is manifested so strong in this church that the glory cloud will end up covering this entire city. If we're going to see the glory of God manifest, he made it clear, I will not share my glory with any other. There's no other God. Either you have my glory or you have your idol. You cannot have both. I choose the glory of God. And if that means I've got to clean the idols out of my heart and out of my home, then we've got to do some house cleaning for the glory of God to be manifest. Can I remind you this morning, we are servants of the Most High God. And I know that we have a hard time seeing that we have idols in our life. But I'm here to tell you the Holy Ghost, the gods in our home uh, must go so the God of heaven uh, can show up. And anytime we let anything or anybody uh, occupy the position of glory in our life, they have become a God. Now I'm not making this name up, but Kyle Eidelman wrote a book about idolatry. And he gave a list of questions to ask yourself. To see with maybe, maybe we have let some idols come into our heart. The first question he poses to Christians is, what disappoints you? Well, that can't be an idol. What are the things that you complain the most about? Maybe, maybe, Brother Keith, we have put greater hope. Oh, let me preach to you. Maybe we have put greater hope in something other than Jesus. You see, you can't be disappointed in the failures of people when your eyes are attuned to the work of the Almighty. Oh, we don't like hearing this preaching because it stamps every one of us in our heart. What are you disappointed about? What frustrates you the most? The second question he asks, where do you make your financial sacrifices? Where your money goes shows where your God is. Let me say it again. Where your money goes shows where your God is. Pastor, I would love to give to God's kingdom, but... But what? Well... My idol. We don't talk it like that way, do we? Here's the way we talk. Pastor, I'd love to give to God's kingdom, but my mortgage is $1,500 a month. If God said bring your tithes and offering into the storehouse, and I refuse to listen to what God has told me to do, and I take what belongs to Him and give it to something else, if I put God's money in front of something else, that has become my God. Because that's God's money. Pastor, I would love to give, but you've got to understand, I've got $15,000 worth of credit card debt. Yeah. Boy, that God of materialism is tough to deal with, isn't He? It's tough to deal with. Because that idol calls you over and over again. And it's so easy to reach in your back pocket and take out that little piece of plastic and just swipe it. Maybe some of you need to be delivered with a pair of scissors. I love my wife. When we got married, I cut up her credit card. I'm not joking. Paid it off. Her and I paid it off together. Took it out, cut it up, and said, all right, that's done. And here's the reason why. We've talked about it. She's like, I've got nothing to show for it. Clothes I don't wear anymore. How oh, can I preach to you this morning? Meals I've done forgot about. I don't even know where I spent all the money on. But when your treasure is laid up in heaven, how oh, can I preach to somebody in the house this morning? I know where my tithes and offering are going. It's going to teach home Bible studies. It's going to put Brother Yater back over in Israel. It's going for the gospel to be preached. It's going to change people's lives. Uh, you see, I'm not forgetting about what I am giving because it is investing in the kingdom of God. The third question Kyle asks is, what worries you? Let me preach to you this morning. What idol dominates your waking moments with concern? What idol calls your name back to the altar of fear day and night and night and day all day long you say preacher worry is not an idol. Yes it is because God said not to worry. He said, consider the lilies and how they toil not. You see, we worry when we put our faith in us. We have faith when we put our trust in God. And so if you are a worry worrywart, it's because you have built an idol to yourself and an idol to others. Well, preacher, I'm so worried about the economy. Why? Do we really think that the U.S. economy somehow affects and influences God, Folks, can I remind you that God will lead you through the highs and the lows. He will bless and He will provide. Listen, I understand that the economic times are tough right now, but I don't worship at the altar of the American dollar or the U.S. economic system. I worship at the foot of the cross. And because I believe in Jesus, I'm not worried about what the stock market's doing. I'm not worried about what the interest rates are. I will be faithful and trust in the Lord and I will not worry, but I will believe in Jesus. Next question is where is your sanctuary? Where do you go when you're hurting? Where do you go when you need peace? Where do you go when you need comfort? Because that's where your God is. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. When things get tough, and listen, life's not gonna be easy. I'm just gonna preach honest to you this morning. It's gonna to be tough. There's gonna to be failures, there's gonna be setbacks, loved ones are gonna pass away, you're gonna get laid off, things are gonna to get tough, it's gonna to happen, it happens to us all. But when those things happen, where do you run to? Where's your sanctuary? Is it alcohol? Is it an emotional withdrawal? Yeah, that's an idol. When you refuse to go to God's house because you're depressed, you build an idol to your depression and you're wallowing in your misery when you know you've got a God that said, I'm the Prince of Peace. When you've got a God that says, my name is a strong tower that the righteous can run into you, and there you're going to find safety and there you're going to find peace and there you're going to find healing. Yes, we have sacrificed our church attendance so that we can attend our own idols of suffering. Some of you, it's video games. I'm preaching to my son right now. We can spend hours a day assuaging the stresses of life by playing a game. Is it Netflix? For some of you, it's an extra pill. Day gets stressful. I'm just going to preach my heart this morning. The day gets more stressful than yesterday. And so you go back to the prescription bottle and you take two instead of one. You see, there was a time in Christianity when our days were stressful. We'd open up the door. We would step into the prayer closet. We would shut it behind us. And we would just go into a prayer meeting and we'd walk out of that prayer closet uh, with a changed disposition uh, and lifted up uh, because God is our refuge and strength, uh, a very present help uh, in times of trouble. Uh, Can I remind somebody this morning uh, where your sanctuary is uh, is where your God is located. uh, And can we get back to the point uh, that the sanctuary is the house of the Lord uh, and the prayer closet uh, is the place we run to uh, because... We know that God can get us through any pain, any suffering, any setback, any failure. I'm reminded of what the David said. When I am overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I don't need an idol for my misery. I've got a God of mercy that's able to get me through what I'm going through. Go back to the sanctuary of the Almighty. What angers you? Let that set into your spirit. What angers you this morning? Can you handle when your team loses a game? I heard this. Brother Tree, I heard this as a fact. Cases of domestic violence skyrocket in southwestern Pennsylvania on the Sundays when the Steelers lose a football game. It's funny and sad at the same time. I'm going to say it again because we don't have no idols, right? We're a Christian nation. Cases of domestic violence in southwestern Pennsylvania skyrocket on the Sundays when the Steelers lose a football game. Oh, we've got gods. We've got idols. When we're willing to hurt our family because a sports team did not get enough points, we've got idols. Do you get angry when you get caught off in traffic? Wow, this just got really real. All those heathens loving football and buying iPhones, they need to get into the altar. Oh, the pastor just done did go too far. Hasn't he ever driven on 219 before? Do you get angry when you get cut off? What about when you feel disrespected? Maybe. Maybe your anger is evidence that what really makes you mad is the fact that someone refuses to worship you. Oh, let me preach to you. They didn't acknowledge your vast, great superiority. Don't they know when I'm driving my Cobra, yellow in color, from my wife down 219, everybody should just get out of the way. Maybe. Maybe we get angry and get disrespected because they don't value the God of me. Itself is one of the greatest, oldest idols that humanity has ever dealt with. Can I preach to you? It's here today. It's here today. It's here in this church, Brother Chance. It's there in your home. It's in your heart. When you refuse to fix your relationship with your spouse, all I hear is the baptismal tank right now. Because you refuse to admit you are wrong, you have become your own God. We don't like this preaching, Pastor. Go back to telling us about Molech and how evil he is. Surely I can't be a God. Oh, you expect peaceful people to worship you. How do you handle criticism? Brother Tim, I have a feeling I'm going to be packing my bags and going to another church next Sunday. <laughs> the reason we get offended, we get criticized, because people don't see how amazing we are. That's why you get upset. Hey, sweetheart, I just spent the last two hours making this food. How's it taste? You know what you're really doing? You're fishing. Baited. it tell me how great I am. I got this nice little idol right here. There's me. I'm, I'm amazing. Well, I could use a little bit more salt. How, what do you mean more salt in it? There's more salt in that than there is in Lot's wife. It's an idol of me. You can't handle Criticism. Because people aren't worshiping you the way you want to be worshipped, and we have it here in the church, preacher. I don't think we have that problem. All we have saints that fight and bicker in the foyer. Think about it for a moment. This is God's house, and when you carry the idol of self into this place, you will argue day and night that you should be worshipped. I should have the best seat in the house. I should have the best parking spot. I should be the first in line on friend day. I should be able to sing a special. I should preach more. I should teach more. You hear the same refrain in those statements, I, 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 I. Did you hear the words of Lucifer before he fell in heaven? I will exalt myself. I will raise myself up above the stars. The principle and the pride of Satan is still at work in the church today when we let ourselves become a God. We become an idol to ourselves. What are your dreams? You need to have aspirations in your life. I'm not preaching against that. It's good to be ambitious, but don't let your dreams become a pursuit to glorify your flesh. Don't let your aspirations become your almighty. Oh, let me preach to you right now. It blows my mind, Brother Tim, that families have been lost so that a man America become a manager of Walmart. Boy, that sounds really stupid, doesn't it? Families splitting up. Just so you could get the title manager of a local store. Does it happen? Every day it happens in the United States. Because we have let our ambition become an idol. And we're willing to sacrifice our marriage and our walk with God so that we can have another paycheck. Walk with gods have vanished so that a man can get an education. Listen, you all know I believe firmly in education. But I'm not willing to get an education and lose my faith in God. And so if you've got to choose between getting an education and having a walk with God, choose a walk with God. It is what will keep you and what will sustain you. We can't let ourselves be drawn away by these idols. Marriages have fallen apart all for the pursuit of a position. Yes, we have idols in our homes. God further goes on and He tells Moses that you shall have no other gods before me. Before me does not mean ahead of me. It literally means you will have no other gods in my presence. God is telling His people, don't even bring those false gods into my presence. But how many times have we tried to carry the idol of pride into the prayer closet? And then we complain that God's Spirit isn't moving. How many times have we built an altar to our arrogance in the foyer of this church? How many times have we carried lust into this sanctuary? How many idols do we have today in God's house? How many idols do we have here? Now I'm sure before I started preaching, you'd have probably said, oh, there's no idols here. Now that I'm halfway through the message, Three quarters if you're getting worried. Now that i preach preached this much of the message, maybe we need to take a step back, Brother Toto, and start looking. Maybe I carried something into God's house I shouldn't have brought in here. Maybe I'm letting something take up residency in my home that should not be there. God made it very clear, you will have no false gods in my presence. If we want to have the presence of God, then the idols must go. The gods must go. And if we can clean our hearts and clean our homes and clean the sanctuary of the Almighty, there will be a manifestation of God's presence. God can and will destroy the idols in your life. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, we come across a very interesting encounter in Israel's history. The Israelites went out to battle against the Philistines. And as they went out to battle against the Philistines, they took the Ark of the Covenant with them. Because Israel had backslid and God permitted the Ark to be taken, and the Philistines took the Ark of God back to the city of Ashdod. And there in Ashdod they had a temple to the pagan god Dagon. And as an act of an offering to Dagon, they took the Ark of the Covenant and they placed it inside of the temple of Dagon. Surely Dagon was going to be happy because here's the Ark of the Covenant in his temple. They came in the next day and Brother Jim, to much to their astonishment, the Bible says Dagon was laying face down in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Can I tell somebody in the Holy Ghost this morning, if you will let God, and that's the key here, if you will let God, God will cause all the idols in your life to fall before Him. But preach, you don't understand. I've struggled with alcohol for 23 years. Yes, I know that's a strong God. But if you will be willing to bring that God to the altar today, that God will fall in the face of the Almighty, and you will find your deliverance. But preach, you don't understand. I struggle with pornography. Yes, I know that false God is strong, but it will fall in the face of Jesus if you will be willing to bring your idol to God's altar. To my amazement, Brother Roger, they looked around. They seen Dagon on his face. Oh, th- this, this is funny in a weird way. There's, de- there's their God, face down in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And somebody looks at somebody else and says, hey, come over here. Can you help me? I've got to pick my God up. He can't even get up himself. I need your help. Hey, call some other guys in here. we got to put this thing back up in place. And the Bible says they set it back up. You see, that's the problem we have with deliverance. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. The problem we have with deliverance uh, is we come to God's house and we bring the altar and the idol uh, and the idol falls at the face of God uh, and we find deliverance and there the idol is laying before the Lord. And before we leave God's house, hey, help me set this thing back up. Let me put it back in place. So there it was. Set back up in place. The worshippers of Dagon came in the next day. Much to their chagrin, Dagon was laying face down in front of the Ark of the Covenant a second time. This time things were a little bit different. God had had enough of their foolishness And so the Bible says that this time when they came in, the hands of Dagon were removed and his head was cut off. And there was Dagon's head and there was Dagon's hand and there was the stump of Dagon laying there. And suddenly now they realized something else is going on. He didn't just fall down but he lost his hands. His ability to grab, to touch, to hold and his ability to see and to think and to hear. You see preacher, what are you talking about? The idols you have in your life. I know they may be first false gods but they got hands that will get a hold of you uh, that will struggle with you uh, that will bind you uh, and it has a head that's going to bring direction to your life Uh, and God is saying if you're tired uh, of being controlled by your idols uh, he'll break the hands of your idols uh, and he'll break the mindset of your idols Uh, you can find deliverance Uh, is there anybody in this house uh, whoever they used to worship uh, the false god of nicotine uh, that can say I've been delivered Uh, that nicotine god uh, he had his hand on me uh, But I went to an altar uh, and God broke the hand of nicotine uh, and I found deliverance. Uh, Is there anybody here uh, who used to worship the idol of alcohol uh, but can say I went to a church house one night uh, and God came down uh, and he broke the hands of addiction uh, and brought me deliverance? Uh, Can I tell you God is able, uh, if you are willing to be delivered, uh, he is able to set you free. You don't have to be in captivity to your idol. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. But you've got to be willing to be delivered. I'm going to go through this in closing. The second commandment is similar to the first, but it adds a deeper revelation. Thou shalt not make. Boy, that's tough. Brother Roger, that's tough. Because I'm the one doing the building now. Oh, I feel the Lord. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or that is in the earth but beneath or that is in the water under the sea, under the earth. Thou shalt not make. Almost anything in this world can be hammered into an idol if we're not careful. These are gods that we made with our own hands, our own creation, after the things that we desire the most. Normally, we don't worship these gods by kneeling in obeisance or raising our hands high. But we still worship these false gods with sacrifice. We sacrifice our imaginations. The Bible tells us not to have any evil imaginations but yet we let the devil run rampant with our mind. Why don't we think on whatsoever things are true? Maybe we should think on whatsoever things are honest. Maybe our imaginations ought to be filled with whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. But we have built an idol to gossip, Brother Chrissy. So we don't listen to the good report. I done went too far preaching against the night of gossip, haven't I? Because we love it, we much prefer to hear the bad news. What's the latest? Who was in the pastor's office? Who's sinning now? Who backslid out of the church? It's an idol of gossip. And we build an altar to it. We build an altar so strong, Brother Kevin, that it has become a stronghold. And we try to rationalize in a way that it's okay to talk about the struggles of other saints. Now, let me preach to you right now. Did you see what she was wearing? Did you hear what he did? Can I just be pastoral for a moment? It's none of your business. Unless you're the one that carried the cross to Calvary, you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And stop trespassing to other people's walks with God. Don't worry because you don't know their story. And you don't want to become a voice of hell that will cause them to lose their faith in God. Can I settle something in here right now? Good people that love Jesus only mess up when they're hurting and struggling and they don't need you to become a voice that's going to cause them to walk away from God. If you see a brother struggling, pray for them. If you see him struggling, pray for them. If you see him struggling, pray for them. Do not gossip, but share a good report. Listen, as a pastor, I see everything that is going on on here. I know who is doing this and I know who is doing that. But preacher, why don't you preach about it more? Oh, you're assuming that the only preaching I do is the one on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. You don't know about the midnight preaching calls I have or the 2 a.m. prayer meetings I have with Jesus or the set-down lunches I have with people. uh, Can I tell you, we need to stop building idols of imaginations uh, and stop thinking the pastor's not doing his job, uh, the church has forgot about holiness. uh, Stop all these evil imaginations uh, that the devil's putting into your mind. Uh, It's an idol to distract you away from your responsibility, uh, and that is to worship God Almighty uh, and to exalt uh, His name. We sacrifice our checkbooks. We sacrifice our search engines. Don't worry, I'm going to get done preaching here soon. Does your internet search history honor God? Or does it honor some other false god? Well, preacher, let's not preach on that now. What I do in secret is my business. No, what you do in secret will send your soul to hell. Can I just be honest with you? You may be able to go in and delete stuff and, and edit things so your wife or your husband or your children don't know any of that stuff is there, but nothing is hidden from the eyes of God. And I can't help but wonder, God's looking down saying, but I want to fill them with the Holy Ghost and I want to anoint them and I want to call them into ministry, but I can't get them out of the temple of pornography long enough to, to find deliverance so I can anoint them. Can I tell somebody in the Holy Ghost, we got to stop going to the house of the false God and get in God's house so that you can be used in ministry. We worship these false gods with our calendars, our time. I'm going to quote to you verbatim what the Lord told me yesterday as I was putting this message together. So if you get mad, feel free to get mad at my boss and not me. Maybe the reason you miss church on Sunday but can go to work on Monday is because your job has become your church and your paycheck has become your idol. That's an exact quote of what the Lord told me in the Spirit yesterday. Maybe the reason you miss church on Sunday, but can go to work on Monday, is because your job has become your church and your paycheck has become your idol. Pastor, I have to work overtime on Sunday. Surely you understand I've got bills to pay. Yes, I understand all of that. But you also have a family to lead to heaven. And you can't be willing to lead your family to hell so that you can have another paycheck. Oh, hear me right now. We need to stop making idols and start building altars. If you build an altar, you'll never make an idol. I'm going to close with this final story. There's a very interesting episode involving idols in the life of the patriarch Jacob. In Genesis 28, Jacob fled from his brother Esau. And he came to a place called Bethel. And there at Bethel, God manifested His presence to Jacob. And Jacob had a great prophetic dream that the Lord gave him. After this great spiritual encounter, Jacob continued his, his fleeing from Esau came to the people of the east and began to work for his uncle Laban for 20 years. Finally, he decided it was time to go back home. And the Bible says that God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau, thy brother. I want you to follow the chronology of events here. God told Jacob, You need to go back to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. So God shows up and said, You need revived. You need to be refocused. I want you to go back to the house of God. Go back to that place where you first had the vision. Where you first felt my presence and my glory. And there I want you to build an altar. But Jacob knew in his spirit that that wasn't possible. So listen to the next verse. This is 35, Genesis 35 and 2. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean and change your garments, and let us arise and go up to Bethel. I'll make an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and is with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the yoke, which was by Shechem. Can you close your eyes with me today? God visited Jacob and said, I want you to come back to my house. I want you to come back to that place of spiritual experience where you knew how real I was. And Jacob said, but for me to do that, the idols must go. I feel the Holy Ghost strong in this house right now. God's presence has not changed. God's ministry in your life has not been altered. God still wants to do a great work in your life. But I can't help but wonder if God has not hit the pause button for a moment. And he showed up on this Sunday morning and said, I want you to come back. But before you do, before you do. The strange gods have got to go. (laughs) The gods you have collected in your house, Jacob, they've got to go. I believe God is calling this church to a Bethel experience. A divine visitation of God's glory, visions being imparted. He is calling us to an altar. But for us to get to the altar that God has for us, the idol's, I've got to be buried. Oh, I feel that in the Holy Ghost right now. You'll never get to the altar when you've got idols in the home. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. What's in your heart this morning? I'm not going to beg anybody to come to this altar right now. But I feel conviction heavy in this house. And all I'm going to tell you is God wants to move in your life. But there's some idols that are standing in the way. God wants to anoint your family. But there's idols in the home. God wants to heal your mind and heal your heart but you've got groves, the false gods. And God's just saying, if you would just let me this morning. God is saying, if you will let me, I will free you from those idols. I will deliver you from those false gods. The gods must go so the Almighty can show up. Let's seek His face this morning across this house.